Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Alex McFarland. John 10.35, the Lord Jesus said, the scripture cannot be broken. Hi, Alex McFarland here. Welcome to a very special edition of Truth and Liberty, and I'm very honored to be with you. And this show is unique in several ways. One, in that we're going to take questions for the entire show. And for the next 90 minutes, I will do my best to answer your Bible questions. If you have questions about current events, especially the news and current events in light of a biblical worldview. And I'll talk more about that in a moment, why a biblical worldview is so important. But the number is 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. We've got some news to share here in just a moment, but I do want to welcome you. And as we begin our program today, I want to say a big thank you to two groups of people. Now, as I am often in the process of doing, I've been on the road traveling. I had the privilege this week of speaking at Blue Mountain Christian University in Mississippi. Blue Mountain Christian University is just one of the great Christian colleges in America. And several months ago, they invited me to speak. They're having a series of lectures on biblical worldview, Christianity and America. And I was very honored they would invite me, but I noticed it Uh, conflicted with the day that I was supposed to be on Truth and Liberty, February 20, i.e. today. So I called up American Family Radio, American Family Studios, and they graciously said that I could use the studio to do this program. I called up the uh, staff there at Truth and Liberty, and they said, we think we can make it work. So first out of the blocks, I want to give a big thank you to Don and AJ and Josh and Christy and everybody that's on the staff of Truth and Liberty. You've heard their names. You know they're excellent. They keep this program going five nights a week. And then also here at AFA and AFR, the American Family Radio Network, Marty Sparks, Jeff McIntosh, a lot of people that helped make this possible. And so I feel very privileged and I'm quite indebted to all of these people helping make this work. Now, I'm going, Lord willing, after the program, I'll be driving to Nashville, Tennessee, which is about four hours, they tell me, because Richard Harris, you know, Richard Harris, who's the leader of the Truth and Liberty Coalition and regular face and voice of this program. He is already in Nashville at National Religious Broadcasters. Many of the staff of American Family Radio are up there as well. And keep it in prayer if you would, because now through Friday, uh, what NRB is, and I've been by like 18 years, but National Religious Broadcasters is a gathering of all the major ministries that you've ever seen. People like David Jeremiah, they're going to be there American Family Radio will be there. Uh, Great guests that you've met on Truth and Liberty, like Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis. He'll be there, and I'll be there broadcasting. And so what we do, we strategize, we pray together, 
And let me tell you, it's a great blessing to be with all of these people, many of the folks that you know and love, like last year, just as NRB began last year, Charles Stanley had passed away. And we were praying and thanking God for the Bible teaching ministry of Charles Stanley. And so it's it's a great week. It's a busy week. But what I want to do in the context of this show is take all Bible questions. Uh, whatever your Bible question is, we'll do our best to give you a good, solid biblical answer. I am going to share a little bit about what I've done with the students this week at Blue Mountain College, which is here in Mississippi, great Christian school, and we'll talk a little bit about biblical worldview. Now, before we get into that, I'll give the number again. It's 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. And I'm going to tell you the two most commonly asked Bible questions that I get in all of my broadcasting, being on Exploring the Word on American Family Radio, uh, being on Truth and Liberty, the two most common questions one is from the Old Testament, one is from the New Testament. And I'll get to those in just a moment. But first, a few announcements. Grace and Faith Mexico 2024. That starts in just two days, February 22nd and 23rd. Uh, I, I can't pronounce the name of this city, but listen to this. Uh, Avenida Estadio Santiago de Querétaro. And I probably mispronounced that, but that's where it is, Grace and Faith Mexico. Uh, Mike Pickett is going to be there. I just sent an email to Mike Pickett earlier today. Carrie Pickett, Jonathan Toet, and Andrew Womack, and you can learn more about Grace and Faith Mexico at awmi.net slash events. Also, while you're on that page, notice the Men's Advance 2024, March 7th through 9th. It is at Karis Bible College, Andrew Womack, Todd White, Jeremy Pearsons, Billy Epperhart, awmi.net slash events. And then last week when I was teaching at Karis, I was uh, meeting briefly with Elizabeth Murin. Now, she leads the drama department at Karis, and the last program I saw was the Christmas play. Amazing. Like I always say, Broadway wishes they could do plays and musicals, as well as the drama department at Karis. They've got David, King of Jerusalem, the musical 2024. It's amazing, March 29 and 30. Honestly, folks, you've, just, you've never seen theater done like they do in the beautiful state-of-the-art auditorium there. The sound, the lights, the special effects, you've never seen theater done like how they bring the Bible to life on stage. David King of Jerusalem, March 29 and 30 at Karis Bible College. It's Friday, uh, March 29, 7 p.m., Saturday, March 30th, Saturday, 10 a.m. and 4. You can go to awmi.net slash events. And Friday night, I, now listen, I don't want this to be a disincentive to people coming, but it's also live-streamed. The Friday night program is live streamed as well. Well, let's get to some news. And folks, what do you think about this? Uh, President Donald Trump, uh, given a somewhere between $350 and $411 million fine. I was reading about this, and I'm just going to say, I think that it's an attempt. Look, they've tried to do everything. Fraudulent charges, even Rob Reiner 
still clings to the long since refuted uh, Russian collusion dossier. I mean, anything and everything to try to shoot down Donald Trump. And now maybe, I I know this is the rationale, leftist uh, judges, one of whom is accused of having an illicit affair, very much a compromise of objectivity uh, by financially breaking him and ending his candidacy. And I want to encourage you, look, and and look, I've met Donald Trump. I've been on phone calls with the Faith Committee in his previous administration. Christians frequently said to me, well, he's an ungodly former casino owner. Look, I'm not saying you should call him as your next pastor. I'm not saying that. But he is running for president, and like him or not, and I, I promise you I would stand up for anyone, even if I disagreed vehemently with their policies, the right to launch a presidential campaign. In America, you don't use uh, third world banana republic tactics to try to demonize and uh, you know politicize law enforcement against your political opponents. We're a nation, or at least we have been, a nation where it's a battle of ideas, and and we argue out and debate, and then we go to the ballot box. And I pray, and and Lord knows, I'm not saying this out of blind loyalty to Donald Trump. I think his policies were great. Courageously, he put the embassy back in Jerusalem. But here's the thing, folks. We need to pray that we can remain this representative republic that is about fair play and honestly tabulated elections. And look, sometimes uh, your man wins. Sometimes the candidate you supported loses. But we don't resort to immorality, dishonesty. We don't turn this into uh, just a, a, a lawless, chaotic society and many are doing that. So we need to pray for America. Tell you what, we're going to go to our first call. We're going to go to Ronald in Mississippi. Ronald, thanks for holding. And by the way, folks, the number is 719-619-2341. Ronald in Mississippi, welcome to Truth and Liberty. Ronald, are you there? Can you hear me? Let me see if I've got my headphones on. Ronald, can you hear me? Let's see if we can pot up the caller. Ronald in Mississippi. Tell you what, I'm going, uh, hang on, Ronald, don't leave. Uh, we're going to try to get your audio on. And, uh, okay, uh, I'm told they're working on getting the audio up. And as soon as uh, we can, Ronald, you feel free to patch in. Uh, the number is 619, I'm sorry, 719-619-2341. But let's talk a little bit about worldview. And I want to share with you some of what I was sharing in the the services and lectures at Blue Mountain Christian University this week. Um, I was looking at a discussion thread on Google. And, you know, the, there are these forums where somebody will ask a question and everybody will weigh in on this. And my point is this, how much we need to recover a biblical worldview in American life. So somebody threw out the question in this forum, and I was watching the answers come about. 
Somebody threw out, quote, if you died today, do you think you would go to heaven or hell? And they put, even if you're not religious, ha ha, just humor me. I'll answer first. I'm probably going to hell, says this person, because I don't really believe in God or pray to anything. Well, hundreds of answers begin to chime in, and it, it really was not terribly heartening. The answers, um, and by the way, Ronald, just speak if you can hear me, and uh, if I can hear you, we'll bring you into the conversation. But somebody puts in on Google, if you died, would you go to heaven or hell? Now, how would you answer that question, viewers? Well, somebody says, uh, this is uh, uh, green, says, I'm not religious, so I guess I would go to hell. Isn't that sad? And somebody else, uh, bored teen femboy, how's that for a handle? Bored teen femboy, hell for sure. If God exists, I'm in trouble. And frenzied flame put same here. Isn't this sad? People, all right, if you died, would you go to heaven or hell? And local narcissist replies, I'd probably go to heaven, but it will be a barely reaching the mark kind of thing. Well, local narcissist, I'm sorry to tell you, it's not like, quote, barely getting there. You either do or you don't, and you you get to heaven through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Then there's um, Sima the Crusader, uh, Bible studier here. So I'm thinking, okay, wow, great. We're going to get, says, I'm a Bible studier here. Technically, almost nobody should go to hell because bro Jesus has got us covered. Now, now how would you respond to that? How would you respond to these answers? Uh, I'm not religious. Well, does religious, uh, being religious, make you go to heaven? What about this? Um, so uh, what about this? Who says, I'm not sure if God exists or not, but if he does, I'm in trouble. Okay, what about, um, I might go to heaven if I reach the mark. How would you answer that? If somebody asked you, if you died today, do you think you would go to heaven or hell? Here's my point. We're a nation that was built on Christianity, thoroughly steeped in Christianity, but to a large degree has forgotten a biblical worldview. Now, what is worldview? And by the way, if you want to weigh in on this topic or others, or politics, or the current state of huh, the upcoming presidential election, is it as consequential as people think? Do you think the, the future of the country hangs in the balance? I happen to, but the number 719-619-2341, we have lines open. You'll get through if you call. But let's talk about worldview for a moment. What is a worldview? Well, a book was written several years ago by a guy named James Sire, S-I-R-E, and it was called The Universe Next Door. Now, what this book meant was this, like somebody might, their house is 25 feet away, but it's a whole nother universe. Your family is Christian. You say the blessing before you eat, right? Well, the next door neighbor, maybe they're Christian, maybe they're not. Maybe they're atheist. They never say the blessing. Maybe they're Wiccan. Do you know Cosmopolitan Magazine just ran an article a couple of months ago about how to have a Wiccan witchcraft ceremony for your abortion? Tragic, occultic, demonic. So the house next door 
it it might just be a few feet away, but it but it's a, an entirely different universe. So, what is your worldview? Asks Sire. And there have been many other books written, but this book, published by InterVarsity, IVP, it's a really good book. The Universe Next Door. So Sire identifies the seven basic questions that a worldview answers. Now, you may not know this, but you have a worldview, a lens by which you look at reality. You do. All right. Now, the Bible says that we are to uh, build our life on God's Word. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 18, that we behold wonderful things from his law, right? The Bible says in Psalm 19 that the law of the Lord, the word of God, is perfect. And if we allow it, it will draw us to Jesus and convert our soul, right? Okay, so here's what James Sire says are the questions of a biblical worldview. Number one, what is reality? In other words, what is really real. Number two, what is human nature? What does it mean to be a a human being, a person? And how do we understand the world all around us? Number four, what happens after death? See, every belief system has a supposition or speculation about that, right? Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment, right? Okay. Then, Number five, according to James Sire, how do we know anything? What do we really, really know is really, really true? Six, how do we know the difference between right and wrong? Now, that's huge, isn't it? Morality. How do you know the difference between what's right and true and what's just opinion? And then number seven, you might not think about this too much, but what is the meaning of history? Have you ever thought about this, that history means things? Now, folks, I just got an email this morning. Somebody emailed me. They heard me on American Family Radio. They said, why are you for Israel? Uh, that land belongs to the Palestinians. Well, no, not necessarily. Well, why are you for Israel? So a lot has to do with our world view. Now, the Russian novelist, Leo Tolstoy, you've heard of Tolstoy. He, and this is you know, over a century ago. He struggled with these questions. Think about this, because they really reflect Sire, uh, George Barna, Chuck Colson. They've all laid out what is worldview, too. But Tolstoy, a century and a half ago, he said, why am I alive? What caused my existence? Why do I exist? How do I struggle over right and wrong within me? Why why is there this struggle? Remember in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul said, oh, that thing I don't want to do, I do. And the stuff I do want to do, I don't do. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? From the Apostle Paul to Tolstoy, and I would suspect you and me, we've struggled with the sin nature versus the spirit, right? Worldview has an answer. Okay, Uh, how should I live my life, Tolstoy asked. And then what is death? Am I saved? How can I be redeemed and ready to meet God? Worldviews ask these questions. Basically, here they are. God, truth, creation, humanity, morality, the purpose of life. Why is there pain and suffering in the world? I mean, think about that question itself. All humans have have grappled 
Why, God? Why? Well, the Christian worldview, I would submit to you, only Christianity has a worldview. Now, follow this, and you've heard of, you know, the jeweler selling a diamond for a diamond ring. The the C's, cut, clarity, carrot, right? I'm going to give you four C's about worldview, and the Christian worldview is a priceless jewel. Okay, the biblical worldview alone is comprehensive, cohesive, corroborated, and completing. Now, let me elaborate on that. The biblical worldview is comprehensive. It really does answer all the big questions. It is cohesive. It hangs together. It makes sense. You know, the Christian worldview actually makes sense. I'll come back to that. Then it is corroborated. Only the biblical worldview is corroborated by evidence, like archaeology, like logic, like scripture, fulfill prophecy. Only the biblical worldview really has evidence to back it up. And then it fulfills you. If you let Jesus Christ be your Lord and Savior, if you begin to build your life on his word, the Bible, God's roadmap for life, you will be fulfilled. Now, let's talk a little bit about cohesive and livability. I think about the problem of pain and suffering. In Eastern religion, and I I did my one master's thesis on Eastern religion, what is the answer to the problem of evil? Now, let's lay out some of the, the knowns, the things that we know. Okay, humans exist. People are capable of great good. People are capable of unspeakable evil. People try their best, and look, there are bad people, quote-unquote, who seem to be blessed. And then there might be a good church-going family, and they get robbed, or a faithful, godly person who dies of cancer, right? And people ask, why is there good and bad in the world? Have you ever noticed how when people are really trying to peel the onion and figure out, hey, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, well, why do good things happen to bad people? You ever wrestle with that one? And why doesn't God change this world? But, you know, let's be honest. When we point out the sin in the world, that includes me because I'm a sinner and you because you're a sinner. So when we are wanting to call down fire and we're asking God, hey, let everybody get their just desserts, be careful because If we all got our just desserts, we'd all get judged, and uh, we need grace. We often call out for justice. God, I want you to let so-and-so get what's coming to them. Well, be careful, because what about what's coming to us, right? All right, Christianity is livable. Let me talk about Eastern thought for just a moment, because in Eastern thought, Hinduism, Buddhism, And the New Age movement has borrowed from this to a degree. But their answer to evil is that it is an illusion or it's dualism. Now, dualism, have you ever seen the yin and yang symbol? There'll be like a circle and like this curvy S thing in it. And Eastern thought very often says that good and evil are entwined forever in some eternal cosmic dance. Now, Christianity says evil is not eternal. 
There was a time when there was no evil or sin. There's going to be a time in the not-too-distant future when sin will be eradicated. See, God is perfect. Part of God's eternality, part of the fact that God is forever is because in God is no sin at all. The Bible says God is light, and in God is no darkness at all, right? Because sin brings death. You remember Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So part of the reason that God is eternal, nobody ever created God. God just is. You know, we don't use a past tense verb about God or a future tense verb. God was or God will. No, God just is because he is fully life, righteousness, and there is no sin in God. But in Eastern thought, they commit two problems. We're talking about worldview here. One, that evil is somehow eternal, and it's not. Evil is the result of sin, and one day sin will be fully eradicated. Uh, But the other thing that makes it not livable is that they'll say that good and evil, like Buddhism will say, that it's an illusion. And the word in Eastern thought is maya, M-A-Y-A. Now, can you imagine as a minister, if I were to say to a bereaved couple, and I have, I've, I've done a lot of funerals as a preacher, and sometimes, just a couple of times, it's been very sad, I've done funerals for uh, children that died, and we've done services to minister to families that miscarry. Now, my point is, Christianity is comprehensive, cohesive, corroborated, and completing. It's comprehensive, answers all the big questions. It's cohesive. It makes sense, and you can live it. It is corroborated by great evidence, and it is completing. If you let Christianity, it will fill your life. Now, can you imagine a couple that has miscarried and lost a child? I, as a minister, I would never say, well, you know, be happy, because it's just an illusion. You're not hurting. It's just an illusion. No, this is reality. And and you wouldn't dare say to a bereaved couple, it's just illusion. Do you know what? G.K. Chesterton, Gilbert Keith Chesterton, who was very influential in the life of C.S. Lewis, a century ago, G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Now, the biblical worldview, and we will get to questions after the first break, 719-619-2341. The biblical worldview, what do we know? says God exists. God created. God has intervened in this world. God has disclosed himself to his creatures. We call that revelation, creation, conscience, scripture, savior. God has revealed himself to the human race. God can be known personally. And though there is sin, and there is with that pain and suffering, and yes, in a fallen world of sin and sinners, bad things happen to people, and from our vantage point, it doesn't look fair sometimes, right? Maybe you've looked at the world like an atheist said to me, I was in a debate in Canada against an atheist. And this atheist said to an audience of 3,000 people, and I was there on the stage, he said, I look at this world and I say, 
things ought not be this way. And I said, well, the good news is God has looked at the world and God says things ought not be that way. And he so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. It's like uh, when God said to Jonah, shouldn't I have compassion on Nineveh? Those poor people, they don't know their right hand from their left. And so God sent Jesus. Now, we've got a break. We're going to continue talking about biblical worldview. Among other things, I'm going to give you five of the key issues facing America and the world today. We'll get to calls. Stay tuned, folks. 719-619-2341. We're back after this. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, All you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland here on the road, traveling, speaking, grateful to be in the American Family Radio Network studios. Appreciate Marty Sparks and the the AFR crew and working with the Truth and Liberty crew at HQ. We call that headquarters there in Colorado. Very honored to be on. And we've got callers in the queue we'll get to in just a moment. And the number is 719-619-2341. By the way, let me just say this. If you need spiritual help, Just like I'm on the road this week and I was talking to college students. And um, you know what? This morning I had a group of students come up to me and they said, how can I know God's will for my life? I had college students asking, can I really, really know that I'm saved? Maybe you're in that uh, place and we've got spiritual prayer encouragers. If you need spiritual help tonight, the number is 719-635-1111. Look, no strings attached. We uh, we are not, this is not to uh, get your contact info and sell you something. We want you to know that you know Christ. We want you, if you need to come back and recommit your life to the Lord, or maybe you've got a question or you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, that number for prayer and encouragement and counsel from God's Word is 719-635-1111. Now, we're going to begin our conversations with uh, great folks across North America. We're going to begin with Linda in South Carolina. Uh, Linda in South Carolina, thanks for holding. You are a frequent guest on Truth and Liberty, and we are so grateful. How are you this evening, Linda? I am blessed and highly favored. How are you? 
I am blessed, and I want to thank you for being a frequent viewer and listener to Truth and Liberty. It's my honor. I enjoy it. Um, it blesses me every time. Well, amen. So uh, before we get to your question, i got to ask you this, because I just feel compelled to teach biblical worldview. I love, you know, people very often, they'll ask me, Alex, you know, what, you know, you and Angie have done things, you've served the Lord. What's the secret? Well, it's totally Jesus, totally Jesus. But I will say this, if there's been anything that has undergirded my life and helped me, uh, if, if there's anything that's saved me from myself, it's the fact that from day one, I really did take God's word seriously, and the Bible is a part of our everyday life. That's why I feel so compelled to talk about biblical worldview. Linda, do you think this this kind of content is good for the body of Christ at this hour? Most definitely. There are so many people, not just young people, but adults who really do not have a biblical worldview. You ask them their opinion about many different things, and rarely do you ever get anything that comes back in an answer based on biblical foundations. Um, I just, I'm so thankful for what you and Angie and your ministries do, especially for young people, because that is our foundation for the future. And if we get them young, they are much more likely to stand on that word and to stand strong based on the biblical worldview that you're teaching them. And so thank you for doing that. Well, praise God. Uh, and, and listen, I completely give God the glory, but every now and then people ask me, they'll say, you know, Alex, what is your opinion on homosexuality? Or Alex, what is your opinion on transgenderism or anything? And I'll say, well, you know, my opinion is really worth nothing. Now, I believe everything the Bible says, uh, but, you know, as a born-again Christian, uh, none of this is about what Alex thinks or any of us. It's what God has said. And that's why I, I really think it's imperative on these issues, morals, marriage, you know, whatever. Uh, we must know and stand for what thus saith the Lord, the church. Every Christian needs to have a biblically informed position, don't we? lady who was a Catholic, and she and I recently were talking about homosexuality, and um, she kind of was on the fence, it sounded like, and I just started telling her what God says about the sin of homosexuality, and I said, I believe the Bible exactly the way God wrote it. He did not make any mistakes. He did not try to skirt around anything. He just tells it like it is. And I believe it like it is. And God says, if you practice sin of homosexuality and you do not repent of that sin, when you die, you're going to hell. And she was yeah. speechless. Uh, yeah. Totally. Well, and and uh, look, forgive me for interrupting, but I want I want to encourage people to look at First Corinthians six. Uh, the Word of God asks a rhetorical question, and it says. Uh, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? And it lists a great long list, murderers, adulterers, liars, extortioners, thieves, covetous. And it does, in that list of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it lists homosexual uh, activity. But it says, as such were some of you, past tense verb, but you have been washed. So um, 
Linda, and I want to get to your question, but um, people sometimes very indignantly, they'll say, well, are you saying that gays can't go to heaven? Now, the Bible says that if you will not repent from your pet sin and from sin in general, if you won't turn from sin to Christ, uh, you won't go to heaven. And if you don't go to heaven, just by default, that's hell. So I, I really think that we in the church are duty-bound. Well, anybody can be saved, anybody, if you will turn to Christ and be born again. But as Billy Graham said, the great evangelist Billy Graham, I'm, I'm from North Carolina. Billy Graham is like our state hero. But Billy Graham said, God will forgive any sin, but he will overlook no sin. God wants to save us from sin, not in sin. And Linda, I, I think a lot of people nowadays, they want it both ways. They want enough of salvation to keep them out of hell, but not so much that it interferes with how they like to live. I mean, I'm just going to lay the cards on the table. I think that's where a lot of people are. There are so many people, I think, that when they first are saved, they don't know enough about the Bible, and they haven't had an opportunity to be discipled, and they think, okay, I'm saved, so I can go out and sin and just say, okay, God, forgive me of that sin, and I can just keep on repeatedly doing that. That's not what God tells us. That's not what mm -hmm. we're supposed to do. Amen. Amen. So you had a question. I appreciate the conversation. And by the way, uh, uh, George in Nevada, Ronald in Mississippi, Frank, hang on. We will get to you. The number is 719-619-2341. But Linda, what was your question? Okay. Reading through the Bible again this year and um, in Exodus uh, 24, 9 through 11, Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel they saw the God of Israel. Okay. They saw mm -hmm. him. Then in 3320, but he said, this is God, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. How oh, yeah. and did they see him? I've got my idea, but I want to hear yours. Well, uh, great question. Great question. Because God in his pure, unrestrained holiness. You know, it says this in uh, John 1, 18, no man has ever seen God. And yet in John 8 and John 10, the Lord Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Um, this is probably not a perfect illustration, but like, let's say if you're looking at somebody welding and uh, I remember as a kid, a time or two, I had to go with my dad to a a shop where they were fabricating machinery for our farm. We had a farm and my dad said, don't son, don't watch that person welding because, you know, it could damage your vision. However, if you put on the goggles and, you know, you look at a welder's mask and, and the glass, the, the lens is just like so dark, you can't even see through it. But when you look at somebody welding, the uh, the filament of the welder, it's so bright, you can see it. I think in the Exodus 24, 9 through 11, when uh, Nadab and the elders were able to experience a visitation from God, God in his mercy um, veiled enough of himself. In one passage, it says they could see someone sitting on a throne. 
just like when Christ was incarnate, um, you know, uh, Jesus took on a human body, was born in Bethlehem manger. Uh, we were able to experience God and live, right? In his pure, eternal essence, the Bible says the express brightness of his glory. Uh, I don't think any human could survive. You know, uh, Linda, uh, I've debated a few atheists and even the famed atheist like Richard Dawkins, he's on YouTube and he says, well, if I die and if it turns out there was God, I'm going to say to God, listen here, Buster, you know, <laughs> no, no, it is not going to be that way. Um, you you could sooner fly an airplane and land it on the surface of the sun before you could approach the eternal, omnipotent power of a holy God. And what happens, let me say this, I'm going to throw back to you, Linda, but in Romans chapter 4 and then Romans 5, it says that when we come to Christ, we are clothed in his righteousness. And in a way, righteousness, folks, listen to this, it's almost like that fireproof suit that just like a fireproof suit enables uh, a fireman to go into a burning building. And without that protective gear, they would just die. Uh, apart from the righteousness of Jesus, we could not see or approach God. And I, I believe in the Exodus 24, God manifested himself sufficiently veiled so the elders could experience God and not just get vaporized. Uh, uh, what say you, Linda? Well, very good answer. That's something I will have to consider. I had not thought about that, thought of it exactly that way. But continuing in verse 10, it says, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. Stones, when they're polished, are shiny and reflective. And I thought, well, maybe they looked at that sapphire stone and could see a reflection. So they were not literally looking at God. They just saw his reflection. You know, that, that I, I didn't think about that, but that's a good, good uh, supposition. You know, the text doesn't say it clearly, but, um, you know, there, there was an illustration of, um, in Greek philosophy, the, the cave, um, like Plato and the cave, like there's a fire and the man, uh, his shadow is projected on the wall of the cave and we don't actually see the, the man, but we see his shadow. As C.S. Lewis talked about shadow lands and the fact that um, we, we see a reflection, but that reflection definitely points to a real reality. You know, it might be that way, but I know one thing, that we will experience Jesus if you're born again, folks. And that's why we always say this, to make sure that you know the Lord, make sure there's been that moment when you put your faith in Christ and we're born again. And remember, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Romans 5, 1, after talking about the righteousness of Christ imparted to you at the moment of salvation, Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And, uh, you know, whether it's by death or by Christ's return, when we see the Lord face to face, you'll be ready. 
as a born-again believer. Linda, thank you so much. A great conversation. It's always a privilege to speak with you. We're going to continue. We're going to go back to Mississippi. Ronald in Mississippi. Uh, thanks for holding. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Ronald, I appreciate your call. Thank you, Dr. McFarland. This is Ronald Meeks from Blue Mountain Christian University, and I just wanted to thank you for uh, coming to our campus and speaking to our students and uh, challenging them to have a biblical worldview and to challenge them to live out their faith. Well, thank you. And let me say what a privilege privilege it was for me to be on that beautiful campus. And you, you're so gracious. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed, after the service today, I talked to so many of the students, many of whom are going into uh, Christian ministry, some going into education. I uh, got to pray with several students that were asking about, you know, knowing God's will for their life. And I, I will tell you, when I visit a school like Blue Mountain Christian University, I'm encouraged for the future of this country because you all are doing a great job educating and equipping young people. Well, thank you. We, uh, we think that we have a mission that we've been seeking to accomplish for 150 years, and uh, the, the baton has been passed on to us. Uh, the things that thou hast learned of me among so many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And we are grateful that you are willing to be a part of those passing on the things that you've received. Well, amen. Amen. Well, it's a great honor. And, you know, in talking about biblical worldview, um, yourself and the faculty, Dr. McMillan, the president, and the Christian Action Commission of, of Mississippi— I really think you're on the cutting edge, and I just want to commend you that you recognize the need to talk about biblical worldview. I know you've got a question, and I want to get to it, but um, let me uh, ask you, as you teach young people and interact with students, even the students from Christian homes and from a, a, a biblical background, are, are you seeing, uh, are you encouraged by how solidly grounded they are in the faith? Or uh, would you say over the years, the level of biblical literacy has changed? Dr. Meeks, what do you say? I say that those students who have been carefully discipled in their home, in their church, uh, in a Christian homeschool, uh, they have a very strong biblical worldview and a commitment to follow Christ. And I would say that um, others sometimes do not have as deeply uh, entrenched Christian worldview. Maybe that uh, it's a surface uh, commitment to Christ. And, and, of course, young people all have to embrace their faith personally. You talked about that today, uh, to personally trust Christ and make a commitment to live out his principles. So I would say there are some who've made a very deep commitment. Their family and their church have been invested in them. And I would say others are struggling as I look at it over a period of a quarter of a century. You know, uh, don't you feel like, especially where it comes down to the moral issues, like marriage between a man and a woman, life, that life is sacred and, and therefore uh, there should be legal protection for the unborn, and, and abortion is wrong. 
where where it comes down to our position on the the moral issues, and of course, I mean, it goes without saying, homosexuality, transgenderism, even a professed Christian, if they don't have a, a, a high view of Scripture, chances are they're going to go with the culture rather than with the timeless truth of God's Word. A- am I right on that, Dr. Meeks? Well, I, w- I would say they're exposed to culture so much more than they are to Scripture. <laughs> they have been, yeah. uh, you might say, indoctrinated to the views of the culture rather than informed and indoctrinated to the teachings of the Word of God. So I, I think the cultural Christian uh, is more informed and more uh, aligned with what the culture is saying, and, and that is a uh, sad erosion of the faith. Mm. Well, uh, thank you. It, it was a privilege to be with you all this week at Blue Mountain Christian University. Um, and I want to thank you for calling in to Truth and Liberty. Uh, did you have a question? I did want to ask, what do you see as the greatest threat or the greatest threats to our religious liberty in America today? A great question. Um I'm going to say two things, and and thank you. What is the greatest threat to our religious liberty today? Uh, Folks, this is vitally important, and Dr. Meeks, thank you for asking this question, because one of the cornerstones of America from the very beginning has been freedom of religious expression. Now, and this might sound a little bit controversial, but uh, we, you know, I am duty bound to tell you the truth, folks. Uh, every microphone I've ever sat in front of or stood in front of, I've promised the Lord that I would do my utmost to tell the truth. And so I come before you as such today. Um, during the second uh, term of Barack Obama, we begin to hear this phrase, freedom of worship. And uh perennial presidential candidate Hillary Clinton would say that she believed in freedom of worship. Now, folks, freedom of worship is not the same thing as freedom of religious expression. Freedom of religious expression, which, uh, you know, Washington and the Continental Army fought and died at Valley Forge for life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And religious expression was one of the key uh, things. You know, Thomas Jefferson in the revolutionary era, he said that um, uh, disobedience to tyranny is service to God. So, Dr. Meeks, to your question, one of the greatest threats to religious liberty has been just the the misunderstanding about worship. When the left would say, we believe in freedom of worship, Generally, what they mean is you can believe anything you want, just keep it to yourself. But we in America had the right, as uh, so many have said, Alexis de Tocqueville, Jonathan Edwards, Cotton Mather, uh, who, uh, John Winthrop, Benjamin Rush, so many of the great founders, and many of whom signed the Declaration of Independence, that New England was planted with a noble vine, and they came here like it says in the Mayflower Mayflower Compact, having advanced here to propagate the Christian faith, right? So one of the greatest threats to religious liberty is that we who profess the name of Christ, we don't 
exercise religious liberty. And while we still have a window of opportunity to tell sinners to repent, we're, we're not often doing that. But I would say also the second biggest threat to religious liberty is the, the enforcement of a militant secularism. Look, folks, um, hate speech legislation. If we say to homosexuals, God loves you, Christ died for you, but you must repent. Um, homosexuality, that may be your besetting sin, but you must turn from it and be saved. Well, nowadays in states like California and Vermont, there are laws against what they call conversion therapy. In other words, imagine if I as a minister of the gospel said to someone in California, you know what, I can counsel you and you can, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome the temptation to that sin. In other words, to convert people out of homosexual lifestyles and to follow Jesus, that, that could be a crime uh, to say to a transgender. And by the way, there is legislation right now in Michigan that, uh, in other words, dead naming. Now, what in the world is that? In, in this progressive world, we've got all these new words that have been contrived. So let's say there's a male masquerading as a female. And by the way, I know you have to really use your imagination, folks. A transgender woman, that doesn't mean a woman. That means a male masquerading as a woman. And you, you've really got to be vigilant the way the left has warped and misused language. So let's say there's a transgender woman, which is really a genetic male, masquerading as a female. And you say, sir, uh, you need to know the Lord. And he says, wait just a minute. I'm not a sir. I'm a female. I identify as such. Do you know in Michigan it could be a felony if the governor signs this into law? You could be punished up to 13 years in prison for refusing to acknowledge that a male is a male or, or a male thinking he's a female. Now, here's my point. We've always had free speech. But transgender hate speech, anti-dead naming laws are a form of compelled speech, forcing you to say things that you know aren't true. Now, here's the thing. I'm a Christian. Do I wish everybody would be a Christian? Of course. I wish everybody would be saved. But, but I would never say to an atheist or a Muslim, you must recite John 3.16 or you're going to get locked up in jail. That would be compelled speech. So, uh, Dr. Meeks, to your point, I, I think the LGBTQ trans movements ultimately represent the greatest threat to religious liberty. Now, another thing, though, folks, hang with me, folks. Just stay with me. The way the church during the COVID years just rolled over and played dead. Now, there were people... Thank God for people like John MacArthur that courageously kept having church. But it was amazing to me. Once we realized, look, these quarantines, the government has no constitutional authority whatsoever to tell churches they can't meet. All of these governors and local mayors that were suddenly drunk with 
what they perceived was mandated authority, telling churches, you can't meet. I mean, it was crazy, folks. There were daycares and liquor stores that were kept open because they were supposedly essential services. And yet a church that operates in the same building as a daycare was non-essential and couldn't meet. And 130 million adult Christians were very compliant, said, oh, okay. Government says we can't worship Jesus and have church. Well, all right. That, the, the fact that we were just automatically compliant. Now, look, I am not an insurrectionist. I'm, I'm a, a guy, I play by the rules. I'm, I'm a guy, you obey the law. But here's the thing, and the founders knew this. Look at, read the Federalist Papers, Alexander Hamilton, and, and read uh, James Madison, and, and read uh, Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. Um, in matters of conscience, to betray God, if the government says, in order to be a good law-abiding citizen, you, the litmus test is this, disobey the Word of God and the Savior, no. No, that's a bridge too far. And so our religious liberty can only be preserved if we exercise it. Look, they can't arrest 130 million born-again believers. Tomorrow, I'm going to be on the radio with George Barna, uh, the famed pollster, respected sociologist. And Barna says there are 130 million born-again adults, at least 100 million, probably more like 130 million. So, folks, uh, e even more precious than money in the bank, even more valuable than that to which you attach great value, is our hard-won liberties and freedom. JFK said it in January of 1961 in his inauguration, the rights of Americans, the rights of man, come not from government, but from the hand of God. Kennedy said it, Reagan repeated it, Clinton affirmed it, the role of government is not to give you rights, but to guard the rights God has given you. Stay tuned. We're back after this on Truth and Liberty. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland, so honored to be with you tonight. Um, before we resume calls, and I see the calls that we've got, praise God, seven 
919-619-2341. And let me give a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, I just sent several articles a few days ago to the website for Truth and Liberty, and Richard Harris said that one or two they've posted, they're reading to post the others. And so the website, truthandliberty.net, there's so much good content there. And uh, there, there are voter guides and uh, information about candidates running for elections in your region and where people stand. And Richard Harris is always putting up articles. Great content. So you might want to do this. I'm going to ask a favor. Tell people about it. Share it with your address book and your friends. Tell people, hey, if you want to understand what's going on in our culture and our world, Truth and Liberty is a great website. You can go to the website truthandliberty.net slash subscribe. And just like Richard, I know he is uh, in Nashville at National Religious Broadcasters, along with the staff of the American Family Radio Network. That's where I'm going to head in just a few moments. And we'll be doing a lot of broadcasting. In fact, I'm sure a lot of the interviews that we're going to be doing over the next few days will wind up on air. So uh, keep, keep your eyes peeled on Truth and Liberty. A lot of good content there. And let me say this, too. Um, I'm so excited about a couple of things coming up. This summer, I'll be at the Billy Graham Training Center in Western North Carolina. It's called The Cove, T-H-E-C-O-V-E, The Cove. Uh, The way they named it, I was told that in these mountains, these valleys and uh, on the Appalachian Mountains, uh, an opening there in the side of the mountain is called a Cove. Well, Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth Graham, built this conference center, and it is spectacular. Angie and I, it's been our privilege for about 18 summers. We we were invited, and I, I listen, I give God the glory. I just got an email this morning. They've invited me for 2025, but I want you to be there in the summer of 24. Now, you're in the dead of winter. You might not be thinking about summer, but July 12th through 14th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, July 12, 13, 14, I'll be at the Billy Graham Training Center in Western North Carolina. We would love for you to be there. This year, I'm teaching the book of 1 John. We're going to be talking about the believer's authority in Christ, the believer's identity. What does it mean to positionally be in Christ. And we'll talk about that. Now, there'll be believers there from all over North America. Last summer when I was there, uh, there was family from Germany and Hawaii. And one summer, a couple of years ago, a family from India. And we get into the Word of God. We pray together. We fellowship. We eat really good food because there's like a five-diamond chef there. So go to the website, thecove.org, T-H-E-C-O-V-E, thecove.org, Just put my name in the space bar, Alex McFarland, and we'd love to see you there July 12th through 14th. Then one other thing, let me say this, and we'll go back to calls. Youth, summer camps. We've got six summer camps coming up, plus I'll I'll be at Karis during Summer Family Bible Week, and the website for our youth camps is equipretreat.org. Now, We'll be in Montana. We'll be in New Jersey. We'll be in Georgia. Indiana, we'll be in six places. We'll have roughly 1,200 teens total, middle school, high school. And folks, I got to tell you, first of all, we every summer see hundreds of young people get born again, and they put their faith in Christ, and they, they we tell them how to be saved. But then 
I'm going to summarize it. You'll know exactly what I'm saying. We're trying to woke-proof American youth. That's right. We talk to kids about America. We talk about what freedom means. We talk about the biblical foundation of this blessed country, and they love it. Now, we do all the fun camp stuff, too, and I'm, out, I'm right out there with them playing volleyball, doing the ropes course, the rock climbing, all that fun stuff. Folks, it's very affordable. Every summer, by God's grace, we raise a lot of money and we subsidize. In 25 years, we've never, ever turned a youth away, thousands of kids. Anyway, the website is equipretreat.org. I say it like this, invest a week that will count for a lifetime. I'm looking forward to seeing your youth, maybe, and we've had churches bring their entire youth group. We really have. Imagine like a whole youth group of 25, 30 kids, because here's the thing. Our nation needs the gospel, and I'm committed, my staff, our volunteers, people that we hire on a temporary basis, we want to impart the gospel of Jesus Christ and a biblical worldview to this next generation. Pray for us and send the youth that are in your life. Well, we're going to go back to the phones. We're talking about the gospel. Let's go to Nevada. Uh, George in Nevada. George, thanks for holding, and welcome to this edition of Truth and Liberty. It's good to have you. Hello. Hi. Good. Welcome. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a question regarding the Holy Spirit. Okay, sure. Um, I was recently baptized with the Holy Spirit, and uh, and my wife believes it's just a one-time experience, but my friend, who's also a Christian, uh, he goes to my same church. He believes that, uh, uh, like, you know, uh, right now I talk in uh, maybe like two words, two unknown words in, uh, in the Holy Spirit. But uh, but I just thought, like, when you feel, uh, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you partially receive it or you receive some part of the Holy Spirit and you have to pray more uh, mm-hmm. to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. My wife believes it's no, it's just one-time experience. She, she watches a lot of Andrew on uh, TV. Uh, but my friend mm-hmm. believes that uh, uh, he also quoted something from Ezekiel 47. He said it's like uh, you have to be like filled more and more with the Holy Spirit to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So I'm a little bit confused about it. Well, God bless you, George, and thanks for for caring about this. And um, I, I'm assuming that that you've trusted Christ and you've you've invited Jesus into your life to be saved, right? George, are you yeah. born again? Have you trusted yeah. Christ? Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, you know, here's the thing: Ephesians four thirty says that the Holy Spirit of God seals us under the day of salvation. It's like, you know, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. And the beautiful thing, um, Romans 15, 13, says that as a born-again believer, we abound in the Holy Spirit. So on the one hand, you know, uh, and I think about this, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God. So when you trust Christ and are born again, the Spirit of God indwells you. So let's let's use two words that the New Testament uses, indwelt and baptized. Now, there are a lot of words the Bible uses to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life. 
indwelt, filled, sealed. Thank you, Jesus, baptized. Now, uh, I had the privilege when I was in Bible college, one of my evangelism professor was a, a guy named Bill Bright. Some some of the listeners may remember Bill Bright from Campus Crusade. He has a little booklet. I'm sure you can find it online. And uh, Andrew's teaching is great on the Holy Spirit. Um, there's so much. In fact, one of the great books that Andrew wrote, uh, it's the title is something like this, um, You've Already Got It, So Stop Trying to Get It. Uh, that's a great book. If you Google it, I'm sure you'll find it. You've already got it. What is it? The Holy Spirit of God. Now, Bill Bright, though, talked about repeated fillings of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I do think, George, it is possible to be a born-again believer, indwelt with the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and yet the Holy Spirit can't fully work in our life sometimes because of disobedience, perhaps, uh, unconfessed sin. In fact, and I, I want to get to the baptism of the Holy Spirit here in a minute, but I was on the radio yesterday with a, a minister and psychologist, and we were talking about the the things that most obstruct the work of God in our life. And this uh, veteran, 40-year counselor, he said one of the first things that puts a Christian in reverse is unforgiveness and bitterness, and Satan takes a foothold. Now, here's the thing, and I want everybody to listen to this, folks. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Now, look, just because you're a born-again Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to have temptation. And, and, and the, the world, the flesh, the devil will try to tempt you, discourage you. And you could be a born-again believer, and yet a, a common temptation gets a foothold in your life. And Satan, very often, he knows how to, to, to discourage you. Now, Maybe what you struggle with is not what somebody else struggles with. Maybe you, maybe you struggle with depression, or you struggle with unforgiveness, or you struggle with anger or substance abuse. Or And there are people with a porn addiction. I mean, I just read a stat. 67% of born-again men struggle with looking at pornography. God help us. And they said at least 15%, and something is more like 30%, of born-again Christian women look at pornography. But here's my point. The devil will try anything and everything to squelch the full operation of the Holy Spirit in your life. So that's why every day, honestly, every day, we need to confess, cleave to Jesus, and walk in that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So, George, I believe the Holy Spirit of God is in every Christian um, at the moment of salvation. Now, I also believe this, that when the Holy Spirit of God fully gets you, there is an empowerment. The, the, the word baptizo in the Greek um, is like the full overflowing immersed in something. Now, the word baptizo in ancient Greek literature, 
And, and the Bible says that we are to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? Well, the word baptizo was used in ancient literature to mean uh, a ship sinking. Or even there's a, a famous old manuscript that references dishes being washed. How do you wash dishes? Well, you put it under the water. I mean, it is immersed, surrounded by, completely in, encompassed by. And when the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, um, comes into your life, I mean, there are supernatural manifestations, could be tongues, healings, words of knowledge, all of the above. Um, and heaven forbid, I'll put it this way too. Let's say you've got a, a car and it's got a five-speed. And you say, well, this thing can't go very fast. And somebody says, well, have you gone out of first gear to second gear to third gear? Um, the car has so much capacity that's untapped. And I think there are a lot of Christians, yes, they're saved, but they've never fully had that experience where the Holy Spirit was completely in control. One last thing you mentioned, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 28. And this is fascinating. Now, Ezekiel 36 talks about this. I will take out your heart of stone and put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In the Old Testament, prior to Pentecost, the Spirit of God would come on to people but leave people, like Samson. Remember Samson and Delilah? Samson was a mighty man of God, but he got into sin, and it said the Spirit of God had left him and his strength, and he didn't realize it. Saul, king of Israel, who started out good, ended up bad. The Spirit of God left Saul. Well, after Pentecost, Peter preached at Pentecost. You remember the Spirit of God fell, and uh, cloven tongues of fire sat on all the believers, and they, they spoke in tongues. Well, since Pentecost, thank you, Jesus, the Spirit of God indwells us and stays with us. If you're a born-again believer, you don't ever lose the Holy Spirit. But I do think there are people that Christianity is hard, life is drudgery, because they're walking in the flesh, not the Spirit. I'm going to challenge you. Get Andrew's book on the Spirit. Read Bill Bright's book. Uh, it's, it's online. Have you discovered the incredible Spirit-filled life? It's amazing. It'll revolutionize your Christianity. Godspeed, George. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Mary in Pennsylvania. Thanks for holding. Mary, are you there? Did, did we lose Mary? Seems like we might have lost Mary. Well, let's try Missouri. Well, maybe Mary will come back. Mary, we've got time. Uh, I think we might have accidentally dropped you. Call back in 719-619-2341. Going down to Missouri. Frank in Missouri. Hey, Frank, I want to tell you something. I was in Springfield, Missouri to preach March a couple of years ago. Springtime, the greenest, most beautiful land I've ever seen is rural Missouri in the springtime. I don't know, I don't know where in Missouri you are, but you're living in a state with some incredibly beautiful scenery, my friend. Yeah, well, I, I went to school uh, four years in uh, Springfield, and uh, it was some some really beautiful weather. It's it's really nice out here today. Uh, 
And uh, Alec, you must be a pretty. How much can you bench press? Are you, you know, you must be pretty good at rock climbing and uh, and all that stuff with all those kids. Do you know what I, I used to work out a lot? I need to get back on it, Frank. You pray for me. I've backslidden. I went for a decade, no, no kidding, and I did a hundred push-ups every morning, and that was about five years ago. And I fell off the wagon, and I'm under conviction. I'm just spirit of full disclosure here. So there, there was a day, but I'm getting back in it. In fact, yesterday morning I got up and I did about fifteen push-ups, and so. Uh, you guys pray for me. I got to get back on my regimen. But uh, what's your question there, Frank? Yeah, you know, you, you were on to uh, 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 the book or uh, talking about uh, about God. So my my question uh, is around the, around the book, man, and uh, and and uh, if I can remember the, what the question was now was uh, that. Uh, you know, with all the books that have been written by all these different authors and different people or whatever, and, uh, you know, that were created in the image of God, do you think that God is is writing a book on us? Let me give one little comment before you. This is a revelation, really, that uh, I got from the reading Job, that all of these guys, man, that guy, uh, uh, you know, he said, uh, he said, though he slay me, will, will I trust him? He said, uh, 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 uh. He said, uh, you know, it's, ri- it's written in the book here that, you know, if a man die, will he live again? It's written, you know, that you would hide me. This is what you, uh, in the beginning of the broadcast, that you would hide me in the grave until the uh, my appointed time. And then you said that, that you know, that uh, co- coincides with the, it's appointed on a man wants to die. And, and, uh, and it's about a book. I'm asking about a book. Do you think that God is writing a book? Oh, no. so let me give one. Uh, well, let me ask. Let me address that. Here's the thing, Frank, and I. I this is so special. It, it really is. Is God writing a story, or does God have a a plan for each and every life? I believe absolutely yes. You know, Garrison Keeler. Many people might remember a Prairie Home Companion, and and Garrison Keeler. He's a Christian. Um, I would encourage you to listen to some of his gospel albums of music he's put out, the Hopeful Gospel Quartet. It's really good. Garrison Keillor, somebody asked him one time, what is God's will for someone's life? And Garrison Keillor said, God's will for your life is so wonderful that it is what you would have wanted for yourself if you had only been wise enough to know it. See, very often, we, we've got this agenda, and I, look, I'm guilty, you know, and yet the Bible says this, and I want to quote a couple of scriptures about the story God is, has desired to write in each one of our lives. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. I was just with hundreds of youth all this week at Blue Mountain Christian University, and I guess one of the number one questions young people ask me is, Mr. McFarland, how can I know God's plan for my life? Here's the thing. is It's not hard because step one for the Christian, I'm assuming you've trusted Christ, is every day to be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. That That is God's will. People, people think, well, what is God's will? Do I go 
to this city and take that job. Maybe I go to this city and take that other job. Uh, whom should I marry? You know, and I, I've counseled with a lot of people, Frank, that they made a decision uh, years back and it maybe was less than ideal. And they feel like, oh my goodness, I'm irrevocably out of God's will. I've lost the pathway and can't, don't know how to find myself back. First of all, Joel 2.25, the Lord says this, I restore the years the locust has eaten. So folks, I want to say to you, I don't care where you are. If, if you're a teenager, maybe you're in your 90s. No matter who you are, where you are, God's great story can begin now to be written in your life. Because God is above time. Don't, don't say, oh, it's too late for me. I've, I've wasted too many years. Maybe, maybe you've made some bad decisions. And like Israel, 40 years wandered out in the desert. God's great story for you. And look, he does have a plan for you. God does have a roadmap for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. I know this was written to ancient Israel, but it can be operative in the life of any born-again believer. God says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of good, not of evil, to bring you to a, a teleos, a design. Now, Psalm 139, 13 through 16, the word of God says this, God created my inmost being. He knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. And your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And it talks about God did see our body, even though we were gestating in our mother's womb. Now listen to this. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Did you see that? Look, when you were developing in your mother's womb, God saw your life. Now, folks, and whether it's Frank or whomever, with everything I can possibly convey, I want to say this. God loves you. God has a great life for you. God has a will and a design and a roadmap for you, but it begins and it will not begin until you open your heart to Christ and be born again. I've met people that had achieved everything the world says is success, but they didn't have Jesus. I would, um, in 2006, I was sitting in Los Angeles with a man who had just won a Grammy Award. And he looked at me emotionally. He said, I'd give everything I've ever done if I knew that my father loved me. He, he later gave his life to Christ. And um, I, everybody listening would know his name, I'm sure. But here's my point. Um, God does have a story. And it is blessing. It is favor. It is peace. It is success. It is increase. But it begins with not only trusting Christ as your Savior, but then being willing to follow his roadmap for life. And the the secret has got to be that we give our life to Jesus and not, not focus on what my dreams, my plan, my agenda, my bucket list. Listen, the world has a bucket list. God has a blessing list. So, Yes, Frank, I believe God has a story for each and every person. Many other scriptures I could share. I do want to try to get Mary in Pennsylvania. Mary, thanks for holding. I think we lost you a minute ago, but you're back. 
And I'm glad you're back. Yeah, I, uh, welcome I to back. Truth and Liberty. Yes, it was my fault. I hit the wrong button. That's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry about that. Yep. Thanks for uh, giving me a second chance at it. I appreciate you. Alex, good right? May I call you, yep. Alex? Very yes. good. Um, yeah, uh, what I was listening earlier, um, you know, it was like uh, John and Elizabeth's stomach jumped because you had said that you were from the state uh, of Billy Graham, and he's one of my favorites. Um, I like to um, share the gospel everywhere I go. My purpose in life now. And, you know, so just, you know, within my own neighborhood and around while I'm running errands, I have you. So I've been doing it for a while. And, uh, um, God bless you. I I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I said, God bless you. That's awesome that you're being a witness for Christ like that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you get to, you get to a stage of life where, you know, nothing else like in life had any meaning. And uh, so you're not going to go back and, you know, do the same old path. And you have to find some purpose. And God just, you know, broke it open for me after receiving that baptism that one of your other callers was asking you about. And I find that it is a continual refilling. I think there's actually a scripture that says that to continually be being refilled. And I yes. think that's because we leak as we minister, we're actually giving out all that the Holy Spirit is pouring in through us. And so it's it's kind of exhausting and we do need refreshing and we do mm-hmm. need to be filled back up so that we can continue to pour out more. And uh, Ephesians 518, I, I reference people to that about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But um, you, you had a question about apologetics, was that? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, what, what it is, is um, uh, while I love the prayer of salvation and the Holy Spirit had led me to print up little, you know, business-like cards with just the prayer of salvation on because it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And I just want to get these cards on to people so that they could take it home if they're embarrassed in public, you know, so hmm. that at some point, uh, you know, people, they don't respond who weren't, you know, raised in church. And then if you were raised in church, um, what are we doing? Are we preaching to the choir? So that um, I felt that it was ineffective with the people that were most downtrodden that needed Christ the most. And so um, I had a burden. I prayed Holy Spirit about it. And um, he gave me a new approach. And I just wanted to run these questions by you that um, I'm finding to be very relevant in public to the lost. Uh, they're responding and with urgency. And uh, I just wanted to make sure, you know, for um, purposes of answering people in church who would say, well, that's not scriptural, that it is literally um, uh, biblical content, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. if you will indulge me, I will throw it out there. Okay. We, we've only got about two minutes, 50 seconds, so we'll do as much as, as we can, okay, Mary. It's real, it's real quick. There are like three yes or no questions. And I'll just okay. uh, throw them out there at you like you were a person I was ministering to. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Okay, good. So uh, first thing I would say is, do you know when we get to the other side that you can't change anything? And most wow, people that's a good question. might look a little strange, but, you know, they mm-hmm. a lot of people get it. And if they don't, I just say, you know, the other side of this life. And then they mm-hmm. understand. Yeah, and they say, "Yeah, that's right." And there, there is no second chance after death. 
Exactly. And then I say, my next thing is exactly like that. And then the next thing is, um, so wherever you land, um, that's where you stay. Yeah. 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 So urgency just dropped in. And I say, you know, um, forever is a really long time and you don't want to land on the wrong side. And if you haven't taken care of the business, um, you really want to. And that's when I hand them the card, you know, which tells them that Jesus loves them and wants to walk with them, you know, to. uh, God bless you. uh, Hey, Mary, I'm going to ask you to call back in. You have great content, and I'm so honored that you're listening to Truth and Liberty. Uh, This is wonderful. Uh, We've only got about a minute left, so forgive my brevity here. I apologize. But these are great questions. Let me tell you, folks, like, be a witness. My goodness, I you know I was talking to uh, uh, some people this week who were sharing how they found Christ, found a glorious life as a believer, ultimately got called to the ministry, and it was because somebody years ago invited them to a one church service. I'm here tonight because 35 years ago, a college student that I knew named Angie Lowe, now Angie McFarland, she invited me to a Monday night Bible study. I had no, never dreamed I would be a minister or even a Christian, but I got invited to a Monday night Bible study and I heard the gospel and I got born again. And four and a half years later, Angie and I got married. Here's my point. Like Mary's questions, you can ask people, now listen carefully as we're out of time almost. Um, If you died and God said, why shall I let let you into heaven? What would you say? People will give a, a lot of answers. I ask this question, I'll say, what is your authority? And they'll say, what do you mean? And I'll say, well, what do you base that on? See, we have the word of Jesus. Only Jesus came out of the grave alive. And Jesus Christ, who conquered death, said, if you live and believe in me, you'll go to heaven. Folks, God bless you. Thanks for listening. Stay strong. Stay bold. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.